Welcome, spirit travelers, to the Conscious Quest podcast. On this show, I, Kaylee, and my co-host, Sonia, review and explore the spectrum between science and spirituality to help listeners find their own authentic sense of spirituality. We also run and discuss monthly chakra-based quests to develop a sense of balance between mind, body, and spirit. We hope you'll join us for a quest or two and see where the journey leads you. Happy Wednesday, spirit travelers. Did you miss us? Because we missed you. Who are we that missed you? Well, I am Sonia. And I'm Kaylee. And this is Conscious Quest. Wa-ba-ba-bam! That's <laughs> more intro music for your ears. You're welcome. <laughs> so what do we have on today's menu for Witch's Brew? Well, we are going to be talking about the G-Center Chakra. Um, and about how that relates to our current event, talking about the polarization of our political system. And then our critical thinking portion is all about virtue signaling. So we got some subjects to chew on today. Right now, just want to give a very brief overview of what the G-Center is. It is part of the human design system located between the heart and the throat and is responsible for like love, identity, direction, compassion. Mm-hmm. And other systems other than human design, it is um, consistently referred to as the high heart or the thymus chakra. That's right. Yeah. So it, it goes by a lot of different names. So if you're like looking it up, it can be helpful to, you know, yeah, put all of them in. Sometimes, yeah, well, we figured out in our research that it was going to be difficult to find an abundance of information compared to the other chakra points. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially like with the spleen and the high heart, since they aren't in the traditional seven chakra system, um, they're, it's just more difficult to find information about them. But we'll go into a deeper analysis of this chakra for you guys and why it, we think it's important to include it in our uh, conscious quest. Yeah. But for now, shall we ask the cards? Yes. Cards Against Humanity. What kind of vibe do we have today for this episode? What's it about? High heart and political divide and virtue signaling. The art of seduction. And, you know, it kind of is that. It is seductive. The G-Center, I called it the G-spot of the heart. (laughs) (laughs) All about seduction. But more so, in in a way, how it's, like, really, really easy to give into an out-of-balance G-Center chakra, I believe, leads. Yeah. So easy to let the direction sweep you away rather than making sure that your energy is spent on something more loving and compassionate and fulfilling. Yeah. Although sometimes that loving, compassionate, fulfilling thing can be very seductive. <laughs> I like our voices. Hello. <laughs> kind of like them that was like even though it's seduction it still feels a little tamer for cards against humanity yeah that's true 
I mean, it, it could have been glory holes, which mm. <laughs> is the, the one I just picked up. <laughs> Are you peeking in advance? <laughs> hey, I shuffle before I draw. <laughs> okay, so that means you're allowed to, like, yeah. take a sneak peek into the future? Yeah. Glory holes. That's what we have to look forward to, everyone. <laughs> Well, That's the throat chakra. <laughs> Shut your glory hole then, please. <laughs> All right, starting off on a good foot. That was fantastic. Thank you for that beautiful draw, Kaylee. You're welcome. I'm a psychic. I do this for a living. Just kidding. No, trust every word that she says. (laughs) If you want a card against humanity, tarot draw, you know where to reach me. (laughs) (laughs) Meet me at the glory hole. (laughs) They're not here for your cards and they're not here for your your glory hole. They are here to listen to the G-Center. Okay, well, let's get into it then. <laughs> you want to give us a brief description? Yeah. Um, so the G Center, high heart, thymus chakra. Its color is aquamarine, which makes sense because it's between the heart and the throat. And the heart's color is green and the throat is blue. So it's blue green, obviously. Mm, obviously. Um. <laughs> Uh, it deals with compassion, forgiveness, putting your emotions into words, relating with others compassionately, bringing abundance into your life, happiness, understanding, and inner peace and faith. So when it is imbalanced, it can cause um, physical issues, just like with any of the other chakra points, and it tends to be like respiratory issues, anxiety, immune system dysfunction, It can also bring, um, like psychologically, a lack of abundance, a lack of happiness, lack of imagination, lack of feelings, like being dissociated. There can be a fear of others or the outside world. You can hold on to grudges. You can be violent. Um, You can have a high level of intolerance for other people, overwhelm, bitterness, hatred, Mm -hmm. I mean, just all of these things that you see and you're like, wow, that person's not doing great. (laughs) So this chakra point is often overlooked with working on it. Usually people try to combat this by working at it from either the heart or the throat end. But Mm -hmm. like this point is responsible for so much of your expression. Yeah. that, That like glancing over it, not giving a full month to truly work with it is doing yourself a disservice and like including Mm -hmm. this into our our pattern here um really gives it the space that it needs in order to live compassionately absolutely i think it's also like it's more interpersonal than the heart because i think the heart a lot of the time can deal with how you feel about yourself Mm-hmm. And the high heart is more dealing with your connections to others and how you are interacting in relationship 
to other people. Which, I mean, like, it makes sense with this point be, being between the heart and the throat, because then the throat is all about expression, communication. Yeah. Um, and so, like, going from your ego to, like, generating a power for expressing that ego, where does that, like, get tangled up in this process and by what, influenced by what, and then, like, out of your glory hole comes whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah and this this chakra can be blocked by um trauma just like any of the other chakra points Mm -hmm. like we've talked about previously um it can be blocked by repressing your emotions like not actually dealing with them or um not communicating them when you have issues, um, one of the things that came up to me a lot when I was like considering this point and what blocks it is having to act in survival mode and without really being able to, um, get in touch with your pure intention or pure expression because we're caught in, um, just surviving. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, well, I experiencing think like, like betrayal and loneliness can also block the space. Right. And just like how this, uh, chakra is responsible for your processing yourself and then expressing that the inverse is also true. Like we take in so much from our lives around us and depending on how we process it, we literally are shaping our reality. Mm-hmm. So this is the point where that molding happens. Yeah. It's it's very important to like come up with like a tool to to cope with this process thing to help you do it more efficiently and more authentically. Um, and um, fortunately, there are ways of working with this chakra to bring it back into a, a balance. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly why we chose to do the quest that we're doing this month, because one of the most powerful ways to interact with this chakra and to bring it into balance is to do work with compassion um, and building compassion to towards yourself and others. So, yeah, but you can do you can help balance it with meditation, um, working with forgiveness, which is also another aspect of the quest this month. Mm-hmm. Um and also just becoming aware of your spirituality, your spiritual needs, and making them a priority. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think and that... It, mm-hmm. Go ahead. That work, that work, all of that work, self-improvement in general, starts with acknowledging that there is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, the forgiveness, um, the compassion, the kindness, it's just another opportunity to reflect upon that to see it to to accept that there is something there that perhaps you need to work on but to do how do how to do that without beating yourself up over it at the same time yeah to make changes that come from a place of love and compassion 
um, which is much different than like trying to force change in your life out of like hatred and bitterness and like <laughs> shame, you know. So and, and and the kind the scary world that builds around you with that perspective, like the type of person that goes through that, like that is living in a very uh, unsafe world full mm-hmm. of bitterness because you are mm-hmm. going to you're going to see what you project that absolutely how our perception works mm-hmm. so like reality is kind of fluid in 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 that kind of state and and we have more control over our reality than what we like to generally accept yes it is it feels significant to me that it is the bridge chakra between the chakras that exist in the body and then the ones that are like higher up. So like in the throat, the third eye and the crown. So it's like this place that having a, a significant spiritual practice and a, and a sense of something greater than you really becomes the most significant. Like starting, I feel like at this point, not that it's not important with the other points because it definitely is, Mm -hmm. but with this one in particular, it becomes like the focus that compassion and love are larger than you. They're larger than any individual person. Mm-hmm. And if we're able to tap into that ether or whatever, I like that. Love, <laughs> the ether of love, <laughs> <laughs> then it completely changes your perspective and the way that you choose to communicate with the world, the way that you choose to see the world, the way you choose to think about the world. Mm-hmm. And right. If you can live in a more compassionate, loving world, then like, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's up to the individual's, you know, perspective of what that actually compassion and love means to them. So mm-hmm. like, if you are starting to work with this uh, chakra point, then and, and perhaps maybe you haven't done all the points leading up to this, but maybe that's a first a good like first step is like, what is love and compassion? What is forgiveness? What does that even mean to you or look like to you? Yeah, like we talked about um, in the intro episode, Mm -hmm. like if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the intro episode for this month, we highly recommend that you go back and listen to that if you plan to join us for the rest of the month on the chakra, because we give a lot of like ground, we lay the ground for it and things to be aware of and... um, you know, while you're working with the concepts of like forgiveness and compassion, Mm -hmm. because they can be sticky. Like we've all been taught about like what love and compassion means. And it might not be what the true expression of love and compassion are. Mm -hmm. Like, like love and compassion flows abundantly and to have like to have true love for somebody, it, it comes like, unconditionally and in our previous episode we stated how like that doesn't have to be the case Mm -hmm. Um, that you can totally have boundaries and work with forgiveness like definitely uh 
something that can happen. But yeah, and if you're not aware of what our quest is this month, we are working with, it's a two-step process. So the Mm -hmm. first step is to do a loving kindness meditation, which is a part of the Buddhist tradition. And it's also called a metta meditation. It's M-E-T-T-A. And there are plenty of, um, of these meditations out there, like guided meditations. So the process though, if you would like to do it on your own, although I would recommend using a guided meditation, is we start with thinking of um, someone that we love dearly, someone that we don't have many problems with letting our compassion flow for, Mm -hmm. and we wish them well, we wish them to be happy, to be safe, to be healthy, and to be peaceful and at ease. And then you think of someone you don't know very well, like a stranger, maybe someone you just interact with occasionally, like a grocery store cashier or a coworker you don't talk to or your mailman or someone in that. Someone you watched on TV. Yeah, someone you watched on TV, someone that you just don't personally know very well. And then you do the same process for them. You wish them well, happiness, safety, to be peaceful and at ease. And then you apply that to yourself. And then you think of someone that you have issues with, and then you do the same practice with them. And then Mm -hmm. you take those feelings and then you um, wish them to the entire world and all beings. And even if this process is difficult for you, like, especially on that last bit, I get a lot of heaviness and constraint in my chest. Like physically, I feel it. Um, Then that is information as well. Mm-hmm. And and then you have to like spend maybe a bit more time trying to understand this person that you're thinking of, whether it is yourself or somebody else or somebody that you love, and you're still feeling some complexities involved with it. Like it is a chance to kind of sit with those feelings of like, why don't I wish this person well, even mm-hmm. though I love them, or even though it's me, and obviously it's somebody I dislike, like what made them that way why am that i this way like it's a chance to be more curious about those emotions definitely and we will talk about our unique experiences mm-hmm. with this process in next week next week's episode which is our mid-month check-in um and i think and just it's been really beneficial for me so far which i think leads into my fact about this process. Yes. Um, So loving kindness meditation actually has quite the body of research behind it. Um, Since this meditation has been around for a long time, um, there are multiple studies that say similar things to what I'm about to say, but the specific study I'm quoting is a 2013 study by Fredrickson and colleagues. And this study that um, they had all of the participants, um, and and a control group and um, the participants all used a loving kindness meditation and the control group didn't. And um, their findings indicated that loving kindness meditation increases vagal tone, increases positive emotions, increases close knit bonds and makes your immune system stronger. So (laughs) I was actually, as I was researching this, I'm like, I've the term vagal tone thrown around like a lot and I'm like I don't even really know what it means honestly (laughs) so I looked it up and um so vagal tone just means having a greater ability to 
um, control your parasympathetic nervous system. So it's like being able to shut down your fight or flight response at will and calm yourself down more quickly. So, which, which is- I like feels like a balanced G-center because out of what I found out about it, it's got a lot to do with adaption. Mm-hmm. Like a balanced G-center, you're going to be able to adapt a little bit more. And like, instead of either putting up your full guard or, or um, the other expression is like that victimhood mentality we see people fall into quite a bit. Yeah. But yeah, it's, really interesting um to see the effect that just having a compassion-based meditation just it works like it just makes you healthier it makes you happier it like and it also the since this is also called the thymus chakra and the thymus is an organ that um is a is in your body during childhood and it is a the place that creates um, part of your immune system, your T cells, and it stores mm-hmm. them. And so it helps to create your immune system memory during your childhood when we're exposed to the most new viruses. And this um, organ shrinks away and disappears sometime during like late childhood, early teens. So it's super interesting that by doing a compassion meditation, which is associated with the thymus chakra, you can actually increase your immune system response and like have a more balanced immune system. Like so cool. Wooey spiritualism aside, that that like direct like cause and effect right there Mm -hmm. is so interesting. And the fact that we were able to even measure that by like we came up with a the thought of like hmm maybe there is something to being positive positive like not just like you know positive only but like <laughs> being positive in in the face of the discourse with like a critical like compassionate lens like it physically does something to your immune system to make you better i just i don't know it's mind blowing to me it's so cool. Yeah. But I mean, it also makes sense with, um, you know, like we talked about in the, when we talked about the spleen chakra, that the spleen is kind of in your adulthood where your immune system is housed. Like it's, it's one of the central places that you like um, instigates like an immune re- system response. Mm-hmm. And fear is associated with the spleen and the immune system and how being afraid and having like an overabundance of fear in your life makes your immune system weaker. Yeah. I mean, these things just track. (laughs) What's the opposite of fear, love and compassion. Yeah. In my, in my my opinion, um, or like safety and, Mm -hmm. and the G center when it's in balance offers a lot of that. Yeah. And I mean, during the loving kindness meditation, a lot of the time you're literally spending time focusing on wishing yourself and others safety and happiness and, and to not be stressed out. (laughs) So like just putting your attention on those things is so powerful and it's just beautiful that the research also backs this up. 
Right. And it's and like it <laughs> it's just kind of like a aha moment or or like a duh moment when realizing that um like no wonder we thrive when we feel safe, safe in our bodies, safe in our minds, safe in our environments. Of course we're gonna thrive like in our like in our immune system, uh, in our community, in our authentic expressions, mm-hmm. like for safety to to arise and then to gain so many benefits from that, it feels like something that we just naturally uh, tend to gravitate towards through our evolutionary cycle. Mm-hmm. Like every every time every time we've evolved, it is in the pursuit of of safety on a larger and larger scale. Yeah, Which- yeah, and the fact that like we're our systems are de- really designed to be in the relaxed state more often than in the like triggered um, fight or flight state. But in the current environment, like like you talked about, I think with the heart, you know, about how with mental health, when there's so many changes that are happening so rapidly, and we don't have time to adjust to the changes that are happening, it creates more tension, and it makes us feel less at ease and less safe. Um, By kind of hacking that and making it a priority to feel safer, we're coming back into our natural state of, of being relaxed more often than stress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And without digging in too deep before next week's episode, I feel this starting to happen mm-hmm. with, with that, even after just like one week. But um, so like, I feel like there's so much to this mm-hmm. and this goes into uh, the fact that I pulled for for this piece today about um, an article from the American Psychological Association relating to burnout and stress Mm -hmm. uh, and what that actually does. Like our world was already stressed out by like growing demands, like our rights, climate, money, land, loneliness, but like COVID pushed that even further. um, And that has led to like a cultural burnout, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly affecting, um, healthcare workers and teachers, which we're already dealing with most stress in our nation, statistically yeah. speaking, for vocation-wise. But according to APA's 2021 Work and Wellbeing Survey of 1,500 U.S. adult workers, 79% experienced work stress and three out of five reported negative impacts. This is a 38% increase since 2019. 38% since in, in just... Uh, just three years mm-hmm. that's a lot yeah. of stress that's going and like burnout I mean I feel like this is an important thing to talk about relating to the G Center because like through my personal experience with burnout the thing that um helps get that get through that the most is kind of like this acceptance of where you're currently at you have to accept it you have to process it and then and then like adapt to it react re restructure the boundaries and and where you're at with that and then live that and like 
burnout is a true it, it, it's huge it, it affects so many people and it's something that we're just like kind of starting recently to um give importance to like mm-hmm. give the that weight to especially after covid um but like the g center focusing on that is naturally going to help with that burnout yeah uh, you know and self-compassion like you said is such like an important aspect of um mitigating burnout feelings Mm -hmm. it's so important to be like loving and gentle with yourself when you're experiencing that state because it can be so easy in our culture to be like oh there's something wrong with me because i can't work as hard as everyone else or like i can't push myself as hard as everyone else and i can't just tolerate being abused in my work situation like everyone else seems to be able to and you can mm-hmm. get really down on yourself when that is happening and to the point of just severe depression and even worse mm-hmm. and um you know, self-compassion and being able to effectively apply that um, is a balm for yeah. that pain. Like, to get out of that burnout, you have to forgive yourself for even getting into that state. Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of shame and guilt and should, shoulds and coulds uh, that are associated with it. But, like, yeah. accepting that, forgiving yourself is is an important step to recovery which is why we chose that as the second step in this month's quest like mm-hmm. after the love and kindness next comes sitting down and forgiveness forgiveness about any whoever yourself anything that's up to you that's personalized and should yeah. remain private but yeah. but is it, it you can't skip that when trying to live your authentic self because you need to forgive what you were before and understand mm-hmm. that or yeah. like other people's like pain and suffering, what they've done to you understand this mm-hmm. and forgiveness come hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk a lot more about that in the like intro episode. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll just refer back to that <laughs> about um, the forgiveness practice. Yeah, which is is the second step, and it's so important and so powerful. Speaking of forgiveness, yes. shall we get into our current event that is probably might not be something that some people want to hear, especially right now, um, like with the term of forgiving your neighbor. Um, yeah. But hey, guys, so... Um, Forgive your neighbor, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Even if you think that they are totally, completely wrong about what they believe in. Yeah. Forgiveness is what heals us. Compassion yeah. is what heals us. Because there are larger forces at play that keep trying to divide this, keep trying to tell us that we don't need to forgive, that forgiveness means no boundaries. Or weakness. Yeah, or weakness. Um, That emotions are weakness. So, so, okay, to get into our current event, I 
uh, found this article about political divide by the New York Times. It was published uh, last month on the 27th. So this is fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was talking about two scholars at Vanderbilt University are trying to precisely estimate the rate of divide in this, co- in this country. Their measurement is called the Vanderbilt Unity Index. And like this uses a variety of indicators to quantify this rate over the past 40 years. Um, The indicators used are um, presidential approval ratings, surveys of ideological extremisms, polls of public attitudes, roll call votes in Congress, and frequency of pollsters' questions about protests and civil unrest. So, um, interesting enough, (laughs) this graph, you know, shows an index range from, you know, zero to 100, zero meaning no unity, 100 being complete unity. But most of the time, the country is between like the 50 to 70 range. So some, some nationalism, mostly like either half or most of America's like rah, rah America, which, you know, cool and stuff. Um, (laughs) If you're into that. (laughs) (laughs) The first year being measured was 1981. Um, so, but that over the years, has, the rate has dropped slowly to the lowest point during Trump politics, like right after the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Um, the just the levels just dropped. So we became more divided than we have been in forty years, thanks to Trump politics, according to this uh, this chart. Um, the turning point, though, specifically for the downward slope was 1994, when Republicans took Congress after decades of Democratic domination. This is when Newt Gingrich became Speaker and his hard-edged style fundamentally changed politics, American politics. Um, so it, this chart is showing this increased... Um, divide between the people, it says, uh, debate uh, around Republican and Democratic. It's like when um, our our rights were starting to get questioned more and more, but in like a sneaky, almost passive way. And and it shows like, to me, I what I get from this is like, hating our neighbors, hating the people who have these fundamental differences in our own backyard is maybe it's is giving them more power, more divide. Mm-hmm. Also, um, when I'm looking at this article, I, it's very evident to see that the um, measurements for, for this test are kind of very specific, very narrow. They, they give an interesting peek through a very small window into this divide that we are like still feeling it feels cultural at this point. Yeah. But there are more factors than that at play. Yeah. And that kind of brings in the research that I found. So Mm -hmm. I was reading an article from um, Pew research that, and they stated in their conclusion that, they felt like there's really no proof that we are more divided or more hostile toward each other than before. But this, the hostility and the divides that we feel are highlighted and feel more significant because we have fewer options than ever before. So Mm -hmm. even though like 
even within the two-party system, which has pretty much been our only options in the U.S. for a very long time, even within those systems, we have fewer options. So if we think back to like the primary races during the last couple of elections, it's felt like there's been, it almost feels like it's already predetermined before we even vote of like who's going to be up there against each other. And the fact that there's no longer any commonplaces between the two parties where we feel like we have a sense of a common cause or a collective identity. So, and I feel like this is strategic because we're like in, um, you know, in mythology when uh, Hercules is fighting the Hydra, you know, where he is this task, the tactic in order to defeat this monster was to have the Hydra fight itself. So then he could just like run away and do whatever he wanted and go about on his quest. And so in this analogy, we, the people are the Hydra and we are being, um, encouraged to fight amongst each other while the people who are in power do whatever the fuck they want. And I actually think that that is a common point among Mm -hmm. both parties is the distrust of the system. Because I think implicitly we all understand that this is happening and who we blame for it is different. (laughs) But (laughs) the fact that we all see this happening and we don't like it is a national issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the first step to taking the power back is accepting that we have been spending so much energy bickering with each other rather than spending that energy actually uh, standing up for our, our boundaries as a collective. Yeah, and I think that there is a desire to... Um to do that on both sides. So in this research, we also thought that 86% of Americans that were polled on in either party, so this was the same in Democrats and Republicans, both said that, um, quote, their candidate should focus on addressing the needs of all Americans, even if it means disappointing their supporters, end quote. So there is a, a desire to see things balanced out and to see people getting help Mm -hmm. and for there to be compassion, whether or not the desire actually translates into actions that put that forth is another question completely, but the desire is there. And I don't think that we should just so readily overlook that. Right. And I mean, (laughs) Variables aside, the Vanderbilt Unity Index just is recognition that of just how how much we see and we know this divide is existing in in our culture, and it's but it's skewed because it's not people against people, it's not Republicans against Democrats, it is people who are um, people who are are suffering versus the people who keep forcing those others to suffer. It's like the victim and the abusers. That's Mm -hmm. the divide. And there's a whole lot of miscommunication between the, um, the victims. 
yeah of our society yeah but like forgiving each other for um <laughs> for lashing out because of because of so much complexity so much energy that wants that just wants change wants to thrive on something good mm-hmm. like if we could just mm, forgive each other for that right because when we come to conversations with a sense of compassion and i think i I recently sent you a uh, like this infographic from um, this Center for Self Compassion, which um, Dr. Kristen Neff runs, and um, there is a difference between tender self compassion, which is like accepting yourself to alleviate suffering, and fierce self compassion, which is taking action to alleviate suffering. So oh, the bear, yeah, the bear, the infographic has like a, a mama bear who is like in the tender one, like nursing her cub. And then in the fierce one is fighting for her cub. Mm-hmm. So we can act with compassion in both of these regards. And it's like, um, when someone comes up to you with a differing opinion and they immediately attack you, for your differing opinion, instead of compassionately trying to understand your position, mm-hmm. we immediately shut down and we see yes. this person as an enemy and we stop being able to listen. And right. I, there is this, I think, this tendency to believe that if you yell at someone enough, they're going to come to your side. No. And it's just not how human nature works. No, no, definitely not. We um, we need to meet each other halfway on this point, which means like just trying to relate to each other first, build relations, and then start to talk about differences in moralities and values. And like you had, um, this actually kind of goes into our critical review. Should we just well? I- I also wanted to mention that other, the organizations right now that are, um, there are organizations around the United States who are taking this into grassroots places. So this, um, the one that I know about the most is the Braver Angels, and they are an organization that strives to bridge the political divide by bringing people of both parties together. So they ask people to come Um, who identify as Republicans or Democrats, they bring them into the same room and they facilitate compassionate, um, respectful discussions between both sides. And they ask both sides to be critical of themselves before being critical of the others. So it creates these conditions in which like, and if you start to get violent, they just shut you down. And they're like, you got to leave. <laughs> like, you can't be acting like this here. So, um, but the people who go through these programs end up finding out that they're more alike than they are different. And I don't think that that's really surprising to any of us because it, mm-hmm. it's also that the mindset of the other, right? Because if someone isn't in your group, we have like, our brains want to view them as a threat or as an enemy because they're not a part of our like inner circle. 
I feel like this has become easier with the use of social media. Yeah. I mean, like, again, with um, our rate of adaption and not feeling balanced and therefore a little, you know, crazy because of it. But, like, technology is one of the main factors uh, with that rate of adaption. Social media is no different. So when people go on social media, they are able to disconnect from each other's faces we say things that we would never say in person to these people. And that mm-hmm. is even more polarization to, to creating um, collective morals and boundaries that we, that we need in order to make sure that we're not being taken advantage of these like higher powers. Yes. And this rolls into <laughs> the- our-, <laughs> yes. our hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Virtue uh, signaling. Signaling. So, um, first off, I, I became very curious. What is the difference between virtue signaling and just having morals and, and or like discussing morals? Well, in a uh, healthy discourse where morals are um, discussed and questioned crit- uh, critically, thought about as a collective that builds uh building morals as a collective as a society Mm -hmm. we don't really do that very much anymore yeah Uh, but instead like this has translated into like social media expression Mm -hmm. and that's where virtue signaling comes in yeah and i want to be clear like i have i have a definition for virtue signaling and it is the action or practice of publicly expressing opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or the moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. Which that definition in itself is not bad, right? Like we need Mm -hmm. this to be a part of moral discourse. Like we Mm -hmm. need to signal to each other that what the morals we are following like why they're significant and why they're important and why we think that others need to believe this. So um, also this is not just a liberal or conservative issue. Like this happens on both sides. I I was reading. This is a human nature issue. Yeah. Some people like to refer to um, conservative virtue signaling as vice signaling um, because it tends to be in opposition to, um, something that is like limiting, like uh, one of the examples they used was somebody bragging about adding meat to a secretly adding meat to a vegetarian meal because they feel Mm -hmm. like eating meat is superior to being vegetarian. I just think that's a virtue signaling of different virtues. It's the same thing. It's just, and I don't think it's helpful to call them by different names. Like it's it's just more polarization. (laughs) It's more like we love or or this or that and or or like like Mm -hmm. (laughs) we love this um, duality because it's so it it makes it easier to grasp onto. But like it's such an illusion. Yeah. Because it's not nothing is ever black or white. Literally nothing is, mm-hmm. and that also applies to our morals, our values, and how and and also how morals do adapt and change over time as well. And without continuous conversation about it, um, in in an authentic and free, like safe environment, then 
like those things stop adapting. We're still adapting. Our, our we're still changing. Our technology is still changing, but like our morals have been stuck. Mm-hmm. Like our, our collective morals have been stopping from like the sixties. We're still trying to drag our asses out of it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't think that this is a coincidence that um, our, like how that changes, how that has changed um, or hasn't changed lines up with like the internet, like social media, mm-hmm. like becoming a fucking grand slam hit. And it can be great for a lot of things, but like, this isn't it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it it can be, but and I hear this is the difference between um, moral discourse and virtue signaling is um, the intention behind what you're communicating. So, is the attention uh, intention driven by ego or truly driven by compassion for everyone else? Because People who virtue mm-hmm. signal in a negative way, it is just serving their ego. All they're yeah, doing it's... is trying to show other people that they think that they're better than them because they have a certain set of beliefs. Um, actually, I found an article by uh, Anne, I believe it's called, it's um, called, is virtue signaling a perversion of morality? And I'm just going to quote them real quick because I love the way that they put it. Mm-hmm. It moves the focus from the target of the moral claim to the person making it. Therefore, it is used to avoid addressing the moral claim made. And I interpreted that as deflection. Yeah. Like it is used to deflect from the topic that they're talking about to push their own moral status. Yeah. Which feels hypocritical in nature. Mm hmm. And we see it all the time. We see it happening mm-hmm. all of the time. And it's almost like once you start to recognize it, it's almost embarrassing <laughs> to see it happening. Like, because um, you see in- the insecurity just everywhere. It's sleeping everywhere. Through. And it's just not productive to the conversations either. So that's another, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's another um, way to identify when it's happening is it's actually detracting from important conversations. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, for example, I was on Instagram the other day and I follow a lot of alternative health accounts and there was, um, someone made a post about health and like things that you can do to better your health that are free. So Mm -hmm. she was saying you can go walk barefoot on the ground. You can go for a walk. You can meditate. You can, um, drink more water like and and that's not necessarily free I guess but it's (laughs) close enough so just a bunch of things like this um exposing yourself to sunshine you know stuff like that which is really easy to do that people can integrate into their lives to help improve their physical health Mm -hmm. and one of the comments underneath it was someone responding saying this just shows your privilege <laughs> and the person who posted it was like, I'm not sure, like, I'm quite following this. Well, you they're, know, they're a lizard person, they live underground, they don't need sunshine. <laughs> and the, the person who posted the comment goes, Not everyone has access to a place to walk barefoot, which, okay, maybe true, 
but but isn't it more of a privilege to have shoes then yeah or it's just you can take it so many ways you can always detract from the conversation at hand to say something like this and is it helpful because the message of this post is so much more important than for her to be like I understand that not everybody has a place that they can walk barefoot. I understand that some people are locked in a basement <laughs> and like, can't reach sunshine. Like, yeah, I, those are situations that people can be a part of. But, like, are they reading this Instagram post? No, it feels as surreal as saying that you live in a house where you purposely decide to decorate your floors with, with shards of glass. Yeah. Like, it's... It's nonsense. And really what you were doing was taking attention from the original post and putting it back to you on your what was me attitude. Yeah, or I'm better than you because I thought of this and you're not thinking of it. Like, are you doing anything then to like help people who are in situations where they don't have a place they can walk barefoot? Are you doing anything or are you just like screaming into the void on social media because it makes you feel self-righteous right and like another example on the other spectrum would be like if people were talking about the difference between climate and and Mm -hmm. weather and and somebody's like well i don't believe in this and this or that because my wind vine doesn't doesn't blow the right way and yeah detracting from the conversation with saying that you value your individual experience over the collective you know Mm -hmm. that is also a virtue individualism is a virtue and so you're (laughs) signaling this virtue that is just not helping the conversation in any productive way and this like out of line expression of the g center creates mass confusion in our society because it's everywhere we have no idea which way to process this other than like "Mm, don't like that like (laughs) yeah (laughs) like how and why and let's talk about this it's so difficult to talk about this in in on a platform that doesn't give equal rights to the voice Mm -hmm which is why we need this locally in our own communities, because this is where any change starts. And I know that we're so tired of hearing that from, from other sources of of media and news in our societies that change starts locally, but it is the truth. Mm -hmm. It is the truth. And the reason why we keep saying it is because we keep seeing people not doing this routinely. Yeah. And it just becomes this thing where it's like, Oh, if, It's almost like we're putting more emphasis on words than actions, which is, I mean, it's a human nature thing to do. Like we want to, we want to trust what other people have to say. I think this becomes especially dangerous when corporations virtue signal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 And they do that. They do that in abundance. It is their entire marketing plan. Like, yeah. And to not, and to not see the virtue signaling, um, would mean like to not actually un- like know the company. Like it means that they're doing, uh, they're failing at their marketing and, and those companies, they just like die in obscurity. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we see this like, for example, like we, we were talking about this yesterday and we came up with so many examples just like <laughs> right off the bat because it's, you see it happening everywhere. So like, for instance, with pride, you know, and mm-hmm. how many companies were selling pride gear, you know, like t-shirts and flags and whatever the fuck that they could print a rainbow on. Yeah. And yeah. then we'll like actively be donating money then to anti-LGBTQ organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, like, that's they, virtue signaling. They're like, oh, we care about pride. Do you? When their actions do not line up with their words. Mm-hmm. We see this signaling. with, um, <laughs> you know, companies who claim to have products that are safe for the environment, but actually are not, you know, but mm-hmm. they know that they can sell more if they put this word on the packaging and it's so yeah. dangerous. Right. I mean, if you guys want examples, we can start listening listing them <laughs> off for you. I'm like, sure you this- can think of your own. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like, we can't even look at our phones or our computers or listen to radios without some sort of virtue signaling getting thrown at us. Like, you should be healthier. You should work out more. You should get your partner this diamond. You, oh, Christmas is coming up. How about a new car? Because we care about the environment because we're a car company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just right. throw in these like trigger words or like keywords to make you be like, oh, I like them because they care about the same things that I do. And it's just, it's manipulation. These things shape our standards of living. Yeah. It's, and, it's so it's just manipulation. Yeah, they're creating all these expectations and saying that the only way to achieve them is with your dollar. And at the same time, you're supposed to, we're supposed to be taking responsibility for all of the um, the climate change destruction and recycling and and carbon emissions. Like we're told that it's our fault that we're not doing enough. Meanwhile, these companies are the ones being the main polluters. Yeah. And but like we can fix it with our dollars. No fucking way. You can fix it with the dollars we give you, but you've chosen actively to not do that. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it's um if, if in case you guys are starting to pick up the hints that we don't like capitalism, then you will be correct. <laughs> How the system is running currently is not effective. No. But it's um it's frustrating to watch it happen in an in individual and a corporate sphere. Yes. And but- there is I feel like it does have a moral discourse certainly has a place. Mhm. Silver lining though, so this isn't all doom and gloom is that I feel like we're getting to this cultural awakened place where even on whatever side is happening, um, we're choosing that enough is enough. Like the, so many, the, the, I can't pull up the rate right now, but I know it's out there, but the percentage of people that are choosing not to support Trump anymore who have supported him during his first run is astounding. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we're going to see if that's the truth when, like, it, when or if he runs again. Hopefully not. Um, but, like, 
I believe that we're getting to this point that we're trying all of the different things, finding out that they're not working and that the only option left is to accept the scenario and to start working with that as it is. Yeah. It's frustrating to see this stuff happening in real time and like thinking that or over here, I'm like, well, we can heal the world with love and kindness, but like, it's so true. It is. <laughs> true. It's frustratingly true. <laughs> like, to go through all of this, all of this, like, pro- self help process, and then to realize that the answer is still love and kindness. And it's just like, it's right there in front of us. Why are we kicking and screaming to get to this answer? Mm hmm. We're doing this as a society, and I feel like we're getting to this point that we're going to see some true change on the horizon. And I've talked about this with my other friends. They they um, are jealous of my optimism. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I truly believe that we're on this precipice of, of, of like, I don't know, a better G-center expression, <laughs> more alignment. I don't know how to put it. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think it it's it definitely could be going that way. Mm-hmm. I think that there are more people who are like spiritually aware than ever before. Like spiritually, mm-hmm. not religiously. Not that those things can't be um you can't be experiencing both, but um the spiritual awareness of the power of love. Mm-hmm. I hate how cliche that has become, but, but there's a reason why it is why it has become a cliche, and that's because we have it so has many truth. ballads about it. Yeah, it has truth. Yeah, in in the core of us as human beings, we know that love and compassion and forgiveness is what creates a thriving community, and it's not about rigidity, strict rules, and what you should or shouldn't be doing. Um, those things. Those those morals change over time. We all we need to do is talk about it mm-hmm. with compassion. The the mama bear, yeah. Let the mama bear rule your life. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a t shirt now with like a little mama bear on it. <laughs> Be the mama bear. <laughs> Be the bear. <laughs> be the bear live the bear conscious quest <laughs> these are the things we teach you guys uh how to polymorph how to change into animals using your witchcraft voodoo powers god awful that's terrible sorry sorry that just came out of my mouth i'll forgive myself for you guys thanks <laughs> but i think it's good to end on that note of optimism Mm -hmm. yeah god i love that (laughs) i hate hate leaving an episode like yeah so um everything's shit (laughs) yeah That being said, I hope you guys are enjoying the month so far. I cannot wait till next week where we can talk about uh, how it's going for us. Yes, I'm still looking forward to it. And this month has been um, transformative. So 
Mm -hmm. I'm I'm excited to talk about it. I mean, already like at at a little bit over a weekend. Yeah, we're we're already trying to like hold ourselves back from talking about (laughs) it with you guys. Um, Also, another thing to look forward to is our very first interview. Yes. This month. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk to people about spirituality and where they came from. Yes. All right. Wishing you all the best on your quest. Mm-hmm. And all the forgiveness and love and compassion and, and mama bears. I wish you a whole herd of bears. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And we'll see you next week. But stick around for our Cards Against Humanity draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the end to uh, know how your week is going to go. We are your oracles. <laughs> right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Conscious Quest Podcast. You can find a new episode on the first and last day and every Wednesday of the month. To reach us in the meantime with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at consciousquest.info at gmail.com or find our website at myconsciousquest.com. Help us out by rating and reviewing the episode on your preferred platform. And we'll see you in the unavoidable void. Okay, our oracles are here again telling you how your future is going to be. All right, Cards Against Humanity, what kind of vibe do we need? We all need to bring into this next week. Working with our G-Centers, talking about, we just talked about politics. What can they take away from that? Assless chaps. <laughs> Be brave. <laughs> Wear assless chaps. Show off them cheeks. Make them clap. Applaud <laughs> this week with your assless chaps. <laughs> Work the whole week away. They're really back. We love to see it. <laughs> All right. Hopefully that was informative and uh, <laughs> you know we'll what to do with that information. Journey. Yeah, you do. <laughs> All right. See ya. Bye.